Part Four, Chapter Eight of Anna Karenina by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Nathan Haskell Doyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne Spiegel. Alexey Alexandrovitch, after he returned from mass, spent the morning in his room. He had two things to accomplish on this day: first, to receive a deputation of the foreign population, which was on its way to Petersburg and happened just at that time to be at Moscow. And he wanted to instruct them as to what they should say, and then to write to his lawyer as he had promised. The deputation, although it had been appointed at Alexey Alexandrovitch's invitation, was likely to cause great embarrassment and even to be a source of peril, and Alexey Alexandrovitch was very glad to meet it in Moscow. The members of the deputation had not the slightest comprehension of their duties and obligations. They were perfectly persuaded that their work consisted in exposing their needs and explaining the actual state of affairs and asking governmental assistance, and they really could not comprehend that some of their statements and demands gave color to the arguments of the hostile party and therefore spoiled the whole business. Alexey Alexandrovitch had a long discussion with them, made out a program from which they were not to deviate on any account in their dealings with the government, and when they left him. Gave them letters of introduction to various persons in Petersburg, so that they might be properly treated. The Countess Lydia Ivanovna would be his principal auxiliary in this matter. She had a specialty for deputations, and knew better than anybody else how to manage them. When he had finished this business, Alexey Alexandrovitch wrote to his lawyer. Without the slightest misgiving, he gave him full power to do as he thought best, and sent three notes from Vronsky to Anna. Which he had found in the portfolio, since Alexey Alexandrovitch had left home with the intention of never returning to his family, and since his interview with the lawyer, when he had confided to one person at least his intentions, and especially since he had transferred this episode of his life to a documentary basis, he had become more and more settled in his convictions, and was now perfectly clear in his mind that what he wished could be accomplished. Just as he was sealing his letter, he heard Stepan Arkadyevitch's loud voice asking the servant if his brother-in-law was at home, and insisting on being announced. It's all the same," thought Alexey Alexandrovitch. "Or rather, so much the better. I will explain to him my position in regard to his sister, and he will understand that it is impossible for me to dine at his house. Come in," he cried, gathering up his papers and pushing them into a writing case. There now, you see, you lied, and he is at home," said Stepan Arkadyevitch to the servant, who would not let him in. Then, taking off his overcoat as he walked along, he came to Alexey Alexandrovitch's room. "I am delighted to find you," he began gaily. "I hope, I cannot go," said Alexey Alexandrovitch coldly, receiving his brother-in-law standing and not asking him to sit down. Alexey Alexandrovitch resolved to adopt with his wife's brother the cool relations which seemed proper, since he had decided to get a divorce. But he did not reckon on that sea of kind-heartedness which was always overflowing its banks in Stepan Arkadyevitch's heart. Stepan Arkadyevitch opened wide his bright, clear eyes. "Why can't you come? What do you mean?" he asked in French with some hesitation. "But you promised to come, and we all are counting on you." I wish to tell you that I cannot come because our family relations must be broken. How is that? Why? Said Oblonsky with a smile. Because I have commenced an action for getting a divorce from my wife, your sister, 
I must. But Alexey Alexandrovitch did not finish his sentence, for Stefan Arkadyevitch acted in a manner quite contrary to his expectations. Stefan Arkadyevitch sank into an armchair with a deep sigh. Alexey Alexandrovitch, it can't be possible, he cried, with pain expressed in his face. It is true. Pardon me, I cannot. I cannot believe it. Alexey Alexandrovitch sat down. He felt that his words had not produced the effect that he had looked for, and that whatever explanation he might make, his relations with Oblonsky would remain the same. Yes, it is a cruel necessity, but I am forced to demand the divorce, he replied. I will say only one thing to you, Alexey Alexandrovitch. I know that you are a man of principle, and I know Anna is one of the best of women. Excuse me if I cannot change my opinion of her. I cannot believe it. There must be some misunderstanding. Yes, if it were only a misunderstanding. Excuse me, I understand. But I beg of you, I beg of you, do not be in haste, interrupted Stefan Arkadyevitch. I have done nothing hastily, said Alexey Alexandrovitch coldly. But in such a case one cannot ask advice of anybody. I am decided. This is terrible, exclaimed Stefan Arkadyevitch with a deep sigh. I would do one thing, Alexey Alexandrovitch. I beseech you to do this, said he. Proceedings, as I understand, have not yet begun. Before you do anything, talk with my wife. She loves Anna like a sister. She loves you, and she is a woman of good sense. For God's sake, talk with her. Do me this favor, I beg of you. Alexey Alexandrovitch deliberated, and Stefan Arkadyevitch looked at him sympathetically not breaking in on his silence. Will you come to her? Well, I don't know. That is the reason I did not call at your house. I suppose our relations ought to be broken off. Why should they be? I don't see that. Allow me to believe that apart from our family connection, you have toward me, to a certain extent at least, the same friendly sentiments which I have always felt toward you, and genuine regard, said Stefan Arkadyevitch, pressing his hand, even if your worst surmises were justified, I should never take it on myself to criticize either side, and I see no reason why our relations should be changed. But now do this. Come and see my wife. Well, you and I look on this matter differently, said Alexey Alexandrovitch coldly. However, we will not discuss it. No, but why should you not come and dine with us, at least today? My wife expects you. Please come, and above all talk with her. She is, I assure you, a superior woman. For God's sake, come. I beg you on my knees. If you wish it so much, I will go, said Alexey Alexandrovitch, sighing. And to change the conversation, he asked Stefan Arkadyevitch about a matter which interested them both, about the new Nachalnik, a man still young, who had suddenly received such an important appointment. Alexey Alexandrovitch had never liked Count Anitchkin, and had always differed with him about many questions, and now he could not help a feeling of envy natural to an official who had suffered defeat in his work and saw a younger man receiving advancement. "'Well, have you met him yet?' asked Alexey Alexandrovitch, with a venomous smile. "'Oh, yes. He was with us yesterday at the session. He seems like a man very well informed, and very active.' "'Active? But how does he employ his activity?' exclaimed Alexey Alexandrovitch. Is it in doing his work, or in destroying what others have done before him? 
The plague of our government is this scribbling bureaucracy, of which Anichkin is a worthy representative. Truly, I don't know how this criticism applies to him. I don't even know his tendencies. At any rate, he is a very good fellow, replied Stefan Arkadyevitch. I have just been with him. A very good fellow. We lunched together, and I taught him how to make a drink, you know, wine and oranges. He liked it very much. No, he is a fine young man. Stefan Arkadyevitch looked at his watch. Ah, Batoyshki, it is after four o'clock, and I have still to see Dolgovushin. It is decided, then, that you will dine with us, isn't it? Both my wife and myself will feel really hurt if you refuse to come. Alexey Alexandrovitch took leave of his brother-in-law very differently from the way in which he had greeted him. I have promised, and I will come, he replied in a melancholy tone. Believe me, I appreciate it, and I hope you will not regret it, said Stefan Arkadyevitch with a smile. And putting on his overcoat in the hall, he shook his fist at the servant's head, laughed, and went out. At five o'clock, remember, and in ordinary dress, he called back once more, returning to the door. End of chapter 8